Welcome to this Trusted Tech Talks podcast. My name's Manny. This week, we're covering a topic that's become more and more prevalent when hiring for developers. Some clients are wanting to hire front-end or back-end specialist developer uh, that just specialise in either the front-end or the back-end specifically. And some clients are still looking for full-stack developers. They're harder and harder for us to find out there in the marketplace. Um, And this has led to the question, which is, does a full-stack developer really exist? So to get some opinions from the experts, uh, we've got Tolly and Johnny Barnes from Cinch with us today to educate us further on their views and opinions. So how are you both today? Good, thank you, Manny, for introducing us. Hi. (laughs) Really good, thanks. Great. Before we jump into the discussion, can you give us an overview of your, both of your experiences and backgrounds and where you're working right now and what your roles are within those businesses? So, uh, Johnny, do you want to go first? Sure, sure. So, uh, yeah, hi, I'm Johnny Barnes. I'm a head of engineering here at Cinch. Um, I've been at Cinch since April 2020. So, uh, yeah, a little over a year. And surprisingly, that makes me considered part of the furniture for our organization. We've uh, grown pretty rapidly over the year. Uh, I've got kind of a history in automotive and finance background as an engineer. Uh, joined since the technical lead and in November myself and a couple of peers kind of got to step up to the roles we expanded out a little bit to become heads of engineering and uh, ultimately we're there to facilitate and enable tribes uh, and make sure that we can you know collaborate and have cross-functional workspaces and make sure basically that product engineering can be as efficient as possible. Great thank you Johnny and, and Tolly uh, if you'd like to pronounce your full name if people are looking at your LinkedIn. My full name is Apostolis Daniel Apostolidis um, I obviously, if you kind of judge from the name, I grew up in Greece, um, but I have a Greek dad and an English mum from County Durham, uh, so I am half British, half Greek. Um, I, I, my background is not software engineering as much. Um, I studied mathematics and mathematical physics, and I kind of became software engineer by chance. Um, I started um, in the software industry working on um, optimization engines and because I'd studied mathematics, but then um, I'm now 10 years in the industry. Um, I've worked in different roles at different periods of time and different levels of the stack. Um, I started at Cinch, it's almost two years ago now. <laughs> it sounds crazy there, uh, Manny, but um, when I started, there's about 10 people in a room in uh, City Tower in Manchester. Um, and I started as a subject matter expert on DevOps because we thought we wanted to start with DevOps, uh, Dev- DevOps first mindset. Um, and therefore, we, we hired someone focusing on DevOps. So I, I've worked a few roles since, and now I'm a principal engineer focusing on DevOps and with everything that that means, I guess, I, I don't know, um, everything, practices, culture, uh, ways of thinking about um, uh, delivering software, uh, maintaining operating software. Um, yeah, that's it. Great. Thanks, Tolly. Um, so to get straight into the questions, um, and please feel free to, whoever would like to take the lead, please take it. But do you believe there is such a thing as a full-stack developer? Are you cool if I jump on this one, Tolly? Go for it. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's, uh, it's, it's quite a, an emotionally charged word i think especially in software engineering a full stack developer it means different things to a lot of different people um 
in terms of working across different technologies in terms of full stack yeah i think it, it's a real thing we use the terminology kind of t-shapes and the reason we say that is uh we kind of want people who have you know an expertise or kind of passion or experience in one area in particular, but they're happy to branch out into other areas. So for example, you know, a backend engineer coming into Cinch, we want them to feel comfortable working on the front end space, um, as well as in the kind of automation infra space as well. Um, so yeah, I think it's, they mean different things to different people, but for us, you know, um, I think we kind of, Tolly and I were discussing this earlier, we think something like cloud engineer with our current stack is probably a bit more of an appropriate term. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I agree with John there. Over the years, full stack engineer has been used a lot. Um, as I said, I've probably worked in all stacks at different points in time. Um, I would I would say the question, um, if, if we put it in the, in the context of where the engineer will be working, if the engineer is working in a team, um, especially if you're taking a team first approach where a team, a team is the kind of minimum unit of delivery, um, the question is, what what does that engineer offer to the team? What what value do they add? And more often than not, if, especially if you're running a cross-functional team, um, you'd want that engineer to um, to work in on a vertical slice of the domain. Um, so what, what that means is to be able be able to write code and develop uh, things and engineer things in the in the back end and the front end infrastructure cloud configuration. Um, another thing I guess that's quite close to my um, my worries and concerns is the, the use of the word developer. Um, I definitely think developer or coder is is a bit of a term of the past, I feel, or a bit misused term, in my opinion, is a lot of engineering going on. Um, so, uh, and I think the prevalent um, engineering going on nowadays in 2021, at least at Cinch for sure, is cloud. So there's a lot of cloud engineering, and I think that's probably the thing we're looking we're looking candidates the most. Right. Okay. Um, that's interesting. I, I with with uh, my background of recruiting into Cinch, I thought you might answer that a little bit differently. <laughs> but but obviously learning and, and the way that, like you've said, guys, you you guys have progressed in the time that you've been there, and roles are changing all the time. So it's no surprise that. Um, do, do, do either of you or both do you think there are benefits of either being full stack or having somebody who solely wants to do back-end or front-end technologies? I think it's, um, I think different people fall into different roles naturally based on kind of how they work and where they get kind of either job satisfaction or gratification out of solving problems. You know, some people just want to, you know, write code and just move tickets across the board. They're not necessarily fully invested in the products, you know, Cinch, we really, really look for people that, um, yeah, I, I, what Tolly was referring to, developer, we're not looking for developers, we're looking for what we call kind of engineers, but realistically, we want people who are going to be writing code, kind of having that product ownership, um, going to be having that QA kind of testing side of things as well. There's a lot more than just actually building something. Um, so for us, it's kind of a sprawling reach of responsibilities. And naturally, I think that includes kind of the technology we actively made the decision to, to kind of unify our tech stack uh, when we went on the, the new venture before we launched back in October, previously being very Azure heavy, but we made the decision to go TypeScript front end, TypeScript back end, and we're now in all of our new stuff and porting a lot of our, our older systems over to CDK, which is TypeScript on the infra side. 
So now we've got one language, which, you know, um, it only takes one language to learn for engineers to kind of come in and be able to do that, uh, to work in different areas. But I think the way that those languages are used in different spaces is, is very different. Writing front end code is obviously very, very different to back end code and very different to kind of the infra code CDK. However, it's, I think it's more of a, a cognitive thing and it kind of lowers that barrier to entry and encourages people and gives people more confidence to go and work in a space where they're a little bit more unfamiliar and be a bit more of a challenge. And for us, I think the way we've been able to kind of achieve where we are today in terms of growth and the success that we've had thus far um, is down to the collaboration communication, making sure that people are, are working together and knowledge sharing, you know, making sure people feel comfortable. Like I said, going into different areas they don't feel comfortable with, pair them up with someone who's got more experience or even two people who don't have experience working in that place and let them learn together. You know, we really care about outcomes as opposed to output. You know, being, a, being an engineer, like I said, isn't slapping a keyboard and writing out code. It's the, the problem solving, the thought process and communication that goes into to building a product and understanding what it is that we need to get out there. So in terms of being a, a kind of a full stack or a T-shaped engineer, I feel naturally that's what we need in our kind of organizations. And I think that's definitely a strength because it allows for different types of problem solvents. But again, I think it's for a different type of people and what satisfaction they, you know, satisfaction they look for out of their role. Okay. Yeah, I, I, as you'd expect, I, I agree with Johnny there. I think, um, I find it interesting that you, you thought we would answer the question a bit differently. Um, I'd like to hear more on that. Um, <laughs> but again, putting things into context, I think uh, one thing that we do we do care a lot about is is people and people being happy and engineers being happy and people being happy in their teams. Um, we've we've obviously you know not you know massively successful and everyone's happy and we're, I'm not saying that it's just that we're we're designing for that. And one of the things that we've been influenced a lot from is um, the team topologies concept. So we do think about cognitive load quite a bit. And if you think about it, think of it in that context. Uh, they they refer to uh, three different types of co of cognitive load: uh, intrinsic, which is uh, what aspects of the task are fundamental to the problem space; um, germane cognitive load, which is more about you know you need special attention to learn something; and uh, extraneous cognitive load, so you need to um, uh, what which you need to it relates to the environment in which the task is being done. So, you know, how do I deploy this component again? So from our perspective, we want to, we want engineers to be thinking about uh, the, the, the problems that, the problems that we have as a business. So that's the germane cognitive loads. We want to optimize for that. And intrinsic and extraneous, we want to minimize. So we want them not to be thinking about how to deploy things. Um, so we'd want them to think about how to automate that, and how to uh, how to how to get to a place where they can just think about their code. Um, we also don't want them to be thinking about technologies and frameworks too much. Uh, they want we want them to become experts, um, and that means having that kind of depth and breadth, the T-shape that we're talking about. And we're not saying that we want them ready to come here and say, "Oh, your T-shape, uh, go in there." But we're saying that you you we kind of expect engineers to want to learn. Um, so the, I guess the advantage, going back to your question, is that yes, the advantages of wanting to be to be T-shaped or full stack is that you can only focus, you can focus on the things that matter. Um, and the advantages of being a specialist 
is that if if anything you can share with other engineers that specialism and and become and help them become experts as well i think that's our biggest goal uh, it's not about here can you do this job for us it's more about can you give us your opinion from your experience and we can um we can do that together yeah, I, th I think you with with the way you guys really live and breathe. By you guys, I mean Cinch as a business, the paired programming especially. I just think it's 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 something that I've definitely had feedback from. Is just everyone's there to upskill each other, and you don't need to be a certain job title or a certain role. Is everyone can help everyone, no matter what level you're coming into the business. Um, so no, I I completely understand that. Um, in in relation to um, the developer has probably changed quite a bit from the first few developers that were hired at Cinch to now. Um, and also developers from when you were probably starting out developing to now. Over the next sort of 12 to 24 months, what do you think a developer will look like? I think um, it can be quite a, it, it could be nothing at all. It could not change at all, or it could be quite a dramatic change, you know, tech comes in waves. I think in terms of the, the long term, it's probably a little bit easier to predict, but I think ultimately kind of what Tolly was referring to earlier about lowering cognitive load and, and just making sure that engineers can focus on solving the problem, the problem at hand, as opposed to having to do all the celebration and decoration around, you know, usual historical languages. I think that can be really empowering for problem solving. Um, and I think the way in which code is written and we get code out the door is going to have to change more industry i mean we've adopted a, a serverless model um because we don't want to have to have people to think too much about all you'd like said all the all the celebration decoration that comes around with you know historical ways of deploying code whether even that be something as recent as kind of k8s which you know a lot of people in manchester still you know advocate for and still are actually be going towards um but i think cloud is definitely the way that a lot of stuff is going to go particularly uh where it can do and it isn't a security concern but Language ag agnosticism, I guess, right tool for the right job, kind of anything that can go into the cloud and be used either as a, as a service platform or anything from online computing services, that kind of stuff. Um, I think that ultimately is where it's going to go. I imagine cloud engineering, like we were talking about, is going to take off a lot where serverless, I think, is going to be a much, much bigger piece of technology. We've already kind of noticed just over the past year um, in Manchester, the number of places that have started adopting serverless or being one of those as well uh, and kind of watching those businesses and kind of how they scaled. And you definitely do see a lot of correlation between some technical choices and their capabilities of scaling. Um, I think there's more on kind of the ops and learning side. I think it's Holly, you can chat about that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess if you, again, if you take, uh, if we model the, uh, um, my experience so far, uh, I started out in 2011, um, at the start of the kind of DevOps, um, DevOps revolution, if you want to call it that. Um, and fast forward 10 years later, uh, DevOps is quite is a thing that's accepted in the industry uh, as a culture. Uh, we don't have separate Dev and Ops teams. I mean, if we look at Cinch, we were really lucky to start without Ops teams at all, without any uh, testers either. Um, so we, we really kind of, we were lucky to live and breathe DevOps from the start. Um, so I'd say now, um, the things that engineers would would want to do would 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 end up doing more than what they were doing uh, ten years ago, or even twenty years ago, is 
they would have to know how to operate the production system a lot more, um, living in production, testing in production, uh, anything, all the concepts of monitoring, observability, SRE concepts, all of those are actually um, falling onto software engineers. Um, and even if they're not, even if in organizations where they're not operating them entirely, that's it, we do. So each team operates their own kind of slice of the production system. They still need to understand some of the things, mainly because of how you, of the implications it has, if you, of how you implicate, um, sorry, of the implications it has of how you instrument your code, how you think about uh, adding telemetry data to your code. Um, so that's going to become really important, I think, going forwards. And it's something actually uh, like your thoughts on because it's something we've we've struggled with in the market. A lot of the times um, we were looking for some experience in this space, uh, but it's um, it's quite sparse. And I think it's because it, that shift is happening right now. Um, so one big shift, just to summarize, is the the operation side of things. So. Whereas in the past, the revolution was we're going from the ops are learning to do devs. Now it's devs are learning to do ops and we're fine. And engineers are finding it hard, which is funny. But then um, the other big thing, I, I think, compared to where, when I started, uh, at least, and I'm sure compared to 20, 30 years ago, is that engineers are required to be able to communicate and collaborate effectively. Um, engineers are required to collaborate and communicate effectively. Um, so what that means is that um, they don't, you know, they can't sit in a in a little room and code and kind of throw it over the wall anymore. Um, they do need to talk to various stakeholders, uh, their their colleagues, other engineers, other other skills, other roles. Uh, and what's interesting, I'd probably say, is that front end engineers, I, I've noticed at least, I don't know if you agree, Johnny, um, are actually um doing better at this right now because i think traditionally front engineers have had to be have had to communicate with um other other people in the organization so they're they're ahead of the game backend engineers and um traditional infrastructure engineers are still learning that that skill um but i might be i, I might be misreading that i don't know that's that's my impression so far i would uh i would say i kind of have seen that same observation in the places that i've worked as well you kind of tend to find that uh, a lot of the kind of back-end and more data-focused roles tend to be uh, a little bit more, yeah, th less communication required, potentially the opportunity for more kind of like headphones-on developers, if you want to describe as that, or people who just kind of kind of took away at the work as opposed to communicating about it. But it's really interesting to kind of see the shift in space and kind of see the, the responsibilities of these roles change so much. And if you look at a job description uh, for any number of companies in Manchester today versus what they were asking for two years ago. Um, it's all about soft skills. And to be honest, I think soft skills aren't a thing to some extent. People always call soft skills as a separate thing, but actually that's part of the job, right? It is the job essentially, right? It's, it's all about knowledge sharing. And don't get me wrong, we're a, we're a business and we have to make money, but we put everything into our kind of product engineering culture to make sure that people have the, the right forums to, to raise what they want to do from a, from a product perspective, from a people perspective, from a tech perspective. And uh, that really plays into the learning side of things. And that's something that's always been true with engineers. You know, it's a, it's a continuously learning role. It's often why it's very cognitively stimulating and attracts certain types of people. But I think the way that engineers are going to be learning in the future is probably going to be a little bit different to how it's been historically. You know, you see 
a lot more engineers coming into the role through apprenticeship schemes and boot camps like I've done myself. Um, you're seeing less people kind of coming from all the classically trained of university degrees. It's about hands-on experience and, and learning on the job. But um, I actually think how you learn and develop software as well is going to be a lot more collaborative, or at least I hope it will be. We've seen a really, really like sharp intake in regards to how people have been able to, to pick up skills. You know, all of our engineers that are kind of historically back-end roles, none of them have worked with TypeScript before, or very few have very little experience with TypeScript, full stop. But they've come into a company, picked up tech they might have never used before. In fact, the vast majority have never used TypeScript, full stop, or serverless. Uh, and we've been able to kind of throw them in at the deep end and they've had the support and everything there to be able to learn on the job and figure that out. And I just think that putting a further emphasis on collaborative learning is a real way that the software engineering industry can really thrive and help, you know, solve a lot of those problems out there in the industry. In, in addition to learning, I, I would also, uh, I'd also say that software engineers would will evolve to um, become better at sharing that knowledge uh, and communicating and dare I say documenting um, I, I I feel like a lot of the a lot of the work we do is um, discovering other people's APIs and discovering uh, other people's implementations other people's frameworks and the first thing we we say most of the time is um, this this is this is a really good tool a good really good framework because it's got really good documentation um, so I think there's there's an element of good software engineers are good writers as well, like natural language writers, not only um, soft, uh, software language writers. Oh, that's great. That, that leads me probably on nicely to the last question, uh, which is what advice uh, would you give uh, sort of Johnny Barnes or a, a Tolly if you start in your development career right now? Um, for me and my kind of history and kind of coming to it, I would advise not to focus too much on the tech. That's not what you're probably going to enjoy the most. It's the problem solving communication, the people side of things, which is pretty surprising when you think about the stereotypes of, of kind of what engineers are or used to be, but yeah, focus less on the tech and more about solutionizing problems and kind of how you communicate and work better with people to, to build a better environment. Obviously, um, working with cool tech and working with the kind of cutting and bleeding edge stuff is exciting, like we're doing, and it's definitely enabled us to, to kind of grow. Um, so definitely keep an eye on that, but it's not the be all and end all of the job necessarily. Uh, I find that a fascinating question. I'd love to go back to um, my uh, young young Tolly, well, 10 years ago Tolly, to, uh, to give him some advice. Um, I was in a bit of a weird, situation uh, and I, I'm going to say this because um, I feel I feel like a lot of engineers might be in the same situation. I started a, as a mathematics graduate and I've never written any industrial level code, only ever used tools like Mathematica or um, uh, tools to write my dissertation and things like that. But I was given a code base and asked to contribute. And at the time I felt that uh, I was learning a lot from my colleagues when I was watching them coding. And I didn't, and that was a form of, of pair programming, which I didn't know the concept at the time. Um, so I guess three things I, I would I would say, um, identify the colleagues who are experienced and want to coach and mentor and 
trust me, they do exist. Uh, there are engineers who are experienced who want to help young, younger engineers or engineers who are new to the industry and learn for them, ask questions, pair with them, keep notes, do research. Um, the other thing I'd say is keep trying, be persistent. So don't stress or feel like an imposter. Most, my biggest realization is most engineers feel like imposters in the industry. Um, and another big thing, which actually um, I found by moving to Manchester um, is get out in the engineering community uh, a lot earlier. Uh, don't, don't feel afraid to do that. Um, you'll find like-minded people at a similar stage of, the, of your software engineering journey. And you will expose, you will be exposed to other practices. Um, you'll be exposed to new ways of working. Um, you, you'll, you'll learn things. Even if you sit there and don't say anything, it's, 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 a, great, um, it's a great way to, to advance your understanding of the industry. No, definitely, Tolly. I, I echo that. Obviously, we met uh, Meetup. <laughs> yeah. so obviously, resonates. And obviously, I can't remember how many years that's been now. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was me wanting to learn more about DevOps at the time. Uh, and that was when it was still very, very new to me. Um, but no, it was just happened to sit next to Tolly. And then obviously, however many years later, we're doing a podcast now, which is obviously great to talk about. Um, but no, I wanted to thank you both for your input. Like, uh, really insightful, as always, speaking to you guys. So thank you so much for contributing today. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, I love you sitting down chatting with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Trusted Tech Talks podcast with me, Manny, and this episode's guest speakers, Tolly and Johnny Barnes from Cinch. If you still have questions around full stack development, please feel free to get in touch via Trusted Tech Talks on LinkedIn or drop me, Manny, a direct message. Plus, make sure you don't miss out on the future episodes by following Trusted Tech Talks on LinkedIn and Spotify.